Okay, good evening, everybody, once again. My name is Foster Wenti Akugri, and I would be your host for today's Growth with TT, the Building Blocks webinar series, discussing the topic, understanding the building blocks of customer relationships. And joining me in today's session is Lydia Esnam Jima, who is the Customer Service Specialist at Dreamobile Limited, and King David Amo, a Procurement and Programs Lead at InnoHub Limited. Before we continue, I would just like to give you a little bit of context as to why we decided to create a platform like this to encourage conversations of this sort. The Building Blocks webinar series is a platform created to stimulate conversations surrounding the fundamentals of leadership, businesses, relationships, politics, and entertainment. We believe that no information is too little or irrelevant, and that is what these conversations seek to provoke. In today's conversation, as I earlier mentioned, we'll be joined by Lydia Esenam Ajima, who is a customer success specialist at Dream of Our Limited. She recently completed her MBA with the Accra Business School and has been practicing customer service, customer experience, as others reported, for the last eight years. She's currently leading customer service and operations at Dream Mobile Limited. She is motivated by the vision of encouraging and educating businesses with an enhanced and enriched customer experience through educational dialogues, like this platform. When she's not talking about customer service, you would typically find SNM talking about food and creating content for her YouTube channel. You can check it out, Lydia SNM at YouTube. I'm sure SNM will drop the link to her YouTube channel in the chat for you to reference. She also loves to have fun and meet new people. King David, who is our second guest for today's session, is a business coach, an entrepreneur, and a digital media and marketing enthusiast. His professional experience in programs and procurement management with expertise in logistics and supply chain management, as well as business growth consulting. He has managed, trained, and coached on various SME-focused business accelerator programs that seek to promote innovation, profitability, and impact among African entrepreneurs. He is currently the procurement and programs lead at InnoHub, a business accelerator and impact investment platform that helps small and medium scale businesses grow to become investment ready, sustainable and scalable. Just to give us a little bit of house rules to guide how this conversation will be going on today. Uh, please do keep your mic on mute at all times when you are not speaking. You can drop your questions in the chat room. You can drop your questions in the chat room during the Q&A session. We would read them out loud for everyone to hear them. Do not interfere when someone is on the floor. Kindly note that this session is being recorded and would be available on Anchor FM, Google Podcast, Spotify, Pocket Cast, and more. No question is too dumb or silly to us, so please feel free to ask 
it's on this it's on that premise that this webinar platform has been designed to help answer your questions in the simplest form possible hence the name the building blocks during the session you can drop gems you pick up from the conversations and the thoughts being shared by the guest speakers and other participants in the session on twitter and tag growth with tt i will be dropping the links to join the growth with tt social media channels in the chat room or you can just search growth with tt on all social media channels facebook linkedin twitter instagram and you'll be sure to find us there you can always visit anchor.fm slash growth with tt to check out the podcast versions of our previous webinars i would love to open the floor now to lydia and king david to share their opening remarks as the saying goes ladies first so snm the floor is yours Hi, Foster. Thank you so much for the intro. And hello to everyone here on the call and in the chat. My name is Nadia Esinam, and it's a privilege to be here. It's an honor to be here to learn from David, everyone here on the call. So I hope we pick a few things, even as we discuss about building blocks of building uh, customer relationships. Thank you. Fantastic. King David. Hi, Foster. Hello, Elidium. Hi, everyone. Um, it's, it's great to be on this afternoon or evening or morning, wherever you're joining us from. Um, um, I think I'm looking forward to an exciting evening. Gets me excited. And I believe that is why every other person on this call has joined. So I'm looking forward to having a wonderful time, having relevant conversations on building businesses. And I think I have been in the audience on this program and I've enjoyed the wonderful conversations. I've come. The most intriguing conversations have actually happened during the Q&A. So I'm certainly looking forward to an exciting time. And of course, learning um from the questions learning from lydia and every other person here so thank you foster thank you everybody for having us on and just like i said i'm trying i'm looking forward to having an exciting time i look for, i look forward to you having same thank you thank you very much king david and snm for that uh, brief opening uh, just to give you some background about today's conversation, we are going to be talking about understanding the building blocks of customer relationships. Uh, customer relationships are similar to romantic relationships, at least from my point of view. Right? Imagine that you won over a potential love interest with flowers, fancy meals, and exciting dates. But then once you are in a committed relationship, you stop trying to please them. You start phoning it in and acting neglectful the odds that the relationship survives are very slim to none. Well, the same thing is true about our businesses, right? And that is how we need to treat our customers. The more you communicate with them and show them your appreciation, the more they are likely to keep being loyal to you and maintain their loyalty to your brand. 
Building customer relationships is very, very necessary because it increases your sales, reduces customer attrition, uh, delivery, uh, delivers invaluable marketing opportunities for you through uh, uh, customers who serve as ambassadors in various communities on your behalf, uh, boosts employee morale, and turns your customers into your R&D department. Very interesting, right? I'm sure we'll be diving more into these uh, various benefits in the course of the conversation. When you view yourself in a long-term relationship with your customers, all kinds of positive things are likely to follow. The customer knows that they are more than just an avenue for profit for you. And this would be leading into our uh, introductory question, which I'll be asking shortly. In this episode, we hope to examine why healthy customer relationships are necessary and the cost that arises when businesses or companies ignore customers or fail to offer positive experiences. By the end of this discussion, you will learn how to be a long-term thinking company when it comes to building customer relationships and maintaining customer loyalty. We will learn from the practical B2C lenses of SNM, who engages customers on a daily basis, uh, as well as King David's B2B lenses as a procurement specialist and program manager at InnoHub. To give the floor back to my guests, we would love to hear from your thoughts or your points of views on end with reference to your day-to-day -day job. Who does who is a customer to you, or what does a customer mean to your business? So the question goes to both of you. Uh, either of you can choose to go first. Um, since Lydia is a customer service um, specialist on this platform, I would defer the first note to her. I knew David was going to throw this at me. <laughs> Anyway, so that's a very important question, which will be the underlining basis of our conversation. Um, if we are not able to identify who our customers are, we will not know how to maintain the relationships going forward. Now, we all know that basically um, a customer is someone who is interested, you know, in our products or services in does a little research about what they are interested in. And then they reach out to you to make some inquiries. They finally make a decision probably, and then they come to exchange value or money for whatever that they want to get. So from my point of view, that is who probably a customer is. So in, in the first you know, thoughts, they are just looking out for something to satisfy their need. And probably you have it. You sell it over to them, and that is who a customer is. But from the understanding, from the point of view of someone who maintaining a longer relationship with them, you're looking forward to a much more, you know, depth of what they are and who they are and what goes beyond their product need or service need. And so I personally feel that a customer is a lifeline of your business because um, you cannot run a business without a customer, neither can the customer. Um, I think you hit the new right on the head there, um, 
Lydia, I think, I don't know whether I could add much more than you already have, um, but I think just like you said, whoever is in interaction with your business to obtain some level of value um, at various levels definitely would represent who a customer is to our business. And I think the only thing I would want to add is that um, there is a shifting role of customers and that um, businesses need to take note of um, to the extent that the typical profile of a customer, just like we say, change is the only thing that is constant. That role is also changing. But I think it's always been there, just not taking um, notice of it. Um, think of it this way, just like I listened said, being a lifeline from the perspective of B2B, it's thinking of anybody who in the, in the chain of the exchange of value allows your business to grow, you could think of that person as a customer. So I would not love to look at it from the perspective of even internal and external. So if there are people within the organization, and so because of my experience in procurement, there is something we always talk about in terms of internal customer. For instance, um, a department has placed a request or somebody within the organization needs a, a critical tool to be able to execute what an external customer has placed a request for. So in my line of work, I would say I need to be able to uh, acquire this skill or I need to be able to undertake this course, or I need to be able to do one thing or the other to be able to fulfill a client request. So I'll give you a typical example. So there, in what we do, we do consulting at InnoHub, and there are projects that would require financial modeling, there are projects that would require you to do a strategic analysis of somebody's growth potential. Sometimes people want to venture into new markets. So in the team, if somebody doesn't have the capability or thinks there's an external resource that would help them to satisfy the need of the customer that has um, requested a service, that person within the organization, although it's internal, I classify that person as a customer. So from the point of procurement and programs, um, since um, Lydia has done justice with the external customers, you can also think about the fact that if there is anybody within your organization, even employees within your business who rely on your business for the success of whatever they do, then they also do represent a customer to you. So just like you would treat the customer who is outside your business, who is paying for your service as a kin, like we always say, the customer is always right, the customer is kin. Your business employees also re, uh, represent a form of internal customers who require the same level of dedication, commitment, openness, and transparency to be able to um, do what you do. So basically for me, aside the typical profile of a customer who exchanges money for the value you, you, you provide, a customer within the sense of your internal customers are those people within your organization who depend on what you do to be able to execute the functions for which you've hired them and eventually go on to satisfy the needs of the external customer. So for me, that is an angle I thought I should just introduce. Yeah. Thank you.
Mm, fantastic point of views. Your customer is the lifeline of your business, as the synapse says, and your fellow employees are your internal customers, and they require the same level of commitment and transparency to deliver on the promise to the business. As David also rightly says, these are great points that have been raised in just the introductory remarks of this conversation. I would like us to go a bit further and to talk about what's the journey of a customer and the relationship with the business looks like. In the context I shared earlier, we talked about how customer relationships look like romantic relationship or are similar to romantic relationship, where you meet somebody, you woo the person in by creating awareness about who you are, engaging them and getting them to feel comfortable around you, making a decision to spend more time with you and eventually uh, keeping them with you. And so I would love to hear from your point of views, maybe starting from SNM. What does it look like as a business and what do you consider in your journey to finding your customers and retaining the relationship you have with them? All right, um, thank you, Foster. Um, I hope that I do justice to this one, but um, from my point of view, right, most of our customers are either interested in a service that we deliver or have probably heard about um, a service that we have somewhere else, say word of mouth, right? So for Dreamoval as a business, apart from our enterprise customers, I'm going to be speaking for or our B2C customers, right, who will probably sign up for is that we provide calls. So you're going to pop up or some questions about what's and he's going to have a sign up with his number and to use the platform. Once he's signed up, he's always join the service to maintain this customer or build a relationship for him to stay longer on the service that he has signed him value for his money i mean that's all going to be tested through time right so it's very important that you take the customer through a customer journey process that's how we term it so that they are able to increase their lifetime value on the service that we have promised to deliver to them. And so in putting them out on this journey, you need to understand them, what they do, why they have even joined your service, heard about it, what they're going to be using the service for, telling them or sell you for what the platform is going for them. And so in all of these stages, you need to, constantly, you know, improve on the interactions with them. Are you ready, readily available when they are in any need of support? So you need to consider sell that to them. That means that a lot of this customer points like people and they're welcome. And we tell you what the services are about. And then you just give this a shot. Along the line, if you're doing any transaction or for any reason you can't get into your account and you want to reach out to us and you don't get us, 
I'm sure you are like, ah, these people are not serious. But along that journey, we are readily available to assist you. So once you're able to get in touch with somebody to help you, that then cushions, you know, you as though, okay, if I hit any bottleneck or I have any issues, they are there to help. So that's also something that we need to critically look at when it comes to customer service, in the sense that it's it's more of um, a, um, a reactive, you know, um, a reactive thing because that is you within the process of using the platform. However, if I'm preemptively able to see that you are not able to get into the service or use the platform, and I reach out to you, that is for me to exceed your expectation. I don't know if you get what I'm trying to say. So in trying to build all of that relationships, you try to reach out to us and we are able to engage you and understand what your issues are. We are able to resolve it. All through that process tends to let you have some kind of trust, you know, a level of trust in the service. And then you're able to use a service continuously so and if there's going to be any downtime or any for any reason you will not be able to use a platform we should be able to communicate with you so that that you are able to be able to proactively engage you and let you know that during this period this service will be down or that service will be down so that is all part of building a relationship with you, trying to communicate with you constantly and engage with you. So you are not left out as you only come to us when you have issues, but we also trying to communicate with you goes a long way to building the customer relationship on the journey that you are on. Yeah, um, Foster. Fantastic. So I suppose that a customer relationship is a push and pull affair. You need to, as much as possible, be pushing opportunities, information to the customers in as much as they only come to you most of the time to pull information or request your attention when they need to address specific service failures or service needs, right? So can David, exactly. from your point of view, how do you see a B2B customer journey, customer relationship looking like, and how do you retain such relationships? Um, thank you, Foster. Um, this is a very, very important question. And looking back from what they would normally say reverse engineering, why you would need to do um, One of the best marketing tools that you can ever use, which because a lot of the times when you have people, um, their ideas for funding, one of the things they want to um, invest so much into is marketing. But you realize that there's one marketing tool that has been lying idle in a lot of companies which they are not maximizing its use, and that is referral. Excited customers would go to the ends of the earth to refer your product even when you, the business owner, you are sleeping. And that also works in B2B scenarios. So typically, when we review sometimes the kind of jobs we've done in a year, you'd realize that most of each job 
especially at the beginning stages and up until now have been by word of mouth referral. I don't think we can overemphasize how much in contributing to your bottom line. Because the that we've done have always been mouth referral, where somebody, and sometimes you could see that there could be a bid that has been put out there and it looks like somebody else, even though you were not looking that direction, calls and say, hi, we put out this and we think you guys can do it. You want to apply? And we've had that a number of times. So I believe that as, as, as a business, directing your focus on the B2B market, you need to think about how to get to excise the customer so that they would in turn become for your business and we need deliberately moving your customers from a customer zone to a partner zone where you can your partner in marketing and one of the ways you can do that is to be able to prioritize value above price so many times in our business transactions with the b2b and customer segments that um, because because sometimes I had a conversation with a friend and said, "Oh, this one they company, so they can more than individual campaign." That is true, but that company in itself too could be a lifeline to your business if you should treat them with more value above the price you are asking for. So simply put, in our day-to-day -day interactions with our business and um, with the um, customers, especially in the B two B market. You need to focus on projecting the benefits of your product rather than um, the price. So in everything we do, there are times that people have walked into our doors and there's a, a funny example I need to share. Somebody walks in and says, oh, we need a business plan. And then um, we say, okay, this is what we're going to do for you, A, B, C, D. And the person says, oh, I know someone who can do it for me at X price, which would be maybe one fourth of what we are quoting. Then, um, okay, so that's possible. That's a, an option the person could consider. I will let you know what exactly is within the benefit. So, for instance, I told somebody and the person said, I'm signing on for this because he said, I need a business plan. Somebody says, I can do it for you at this price. I said, okay, the business plan you are looking for that a person can do for you, I believe, is probably an academic business plan. And what we are going to do for you is one that is going to help you to raise money, an investment-ready business plan. That in there is the value that the customer is looking for. So in our interaction with our customers, and at the beginning we talked about internal customers, but one thing I, I didn't add was, for instance, in my line of work, there are people like funding partners who would pay you to run a project for them. There are people like implementing partners who would depend on you to implement a partner and a project with you. So in all of your interactions with these people, in time back to the question of Foster, if you want to onboard somebody as your customer and keep them in your funnel, because in customer um, management, you're not looking only about how you're acquiring them, but thinking about how to get them to keep them and continuously excite them. And that is by consistently offering them value which is way above price. Because mind you, 
the only time somebody I believe would put their hand in their pocket and dip, dish out money for your product or service is when they believe the value you are offering them is way above the price that they are paying. And I believe that one way you can bring them on board, communicating the value clearly and then bringing them, keeping them in by continuously exciting them. So I think that's what, that's, that's what one thing we could consider. Mm, very, very important points raised over there. Um, so if you're just joining us, we are talking about building customer relationships or the building blocks of customer relationships. And we have King David Amo, who is the head of procurement and programs at Inohab Limited. And Lydia Esnam Ajima, who is the customer success lead at, in, uh, at Dream of All Limited. Popular, they are popularly known for building the platform called SlidePay. So if you have challenges with SlidePay, you can slide into her DM and reach out to her. Um, so we've been talking about key, par, key, key components you need to understand when you are onboarding a business and when you and how to retain uh, onboarding a customer and how to retain the relationship with the customer. But I want I want to take us back a bit, King and and uh, SNM. We talked about customer segmentation in our episode two of our webinar series, I believe. No, in our episode three of our webinar series. And prior to that, we had talked about value proposition. These two things are very, very important. And last week, last our last webinar session, we also talked about customer channels, right? These three are components that feed into your day-to-day -day operations as, as interfacing directly with customers. You carry the value proposition. You are responsible for categorizing customers into specific personas or specific hats. And so you are able to choose, for example, if you had three flyers in your hands and you were talking to a customer, you, you knew which one, to, you know which one to choose for that customer as a source of relevant information to meet their needs. So you, you, you mentioned something that I'd like to paraphrase as you are selling pain relievers to their pain. And so you need to emphasize on how that pain reliever relieves them from their pain rather than how much the pain reliever is in terms of the pain they are going through. Because the pain they are going through can be measured by the value of the price or the value of the price they are paying for that pain reliever. Rather, the comfort they gain after they have taken the pain reliever, right? So I want to take us back a bit. How do you uh, usually carry the value proposition of the business? the, the uh, identify the specific customer segment and use the right customer channels to keep them engaged. For example, today businesses have WhatsApp for businesses they use to interact with the customers. Um, how do you, what channels do you choose and how do you use those channels? Speaking from a B2B point of view and a B2C point of view, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Sure, thanks, uh, Foster. So um, before we can even um, categorize our customers and know how to engage them properly with our, we need to really identify or in their onboarding process, we need to clearly define 
their KYC requirements. So the KYC basically is knowing your customer, knowing their names, knowing what they do, knowing what kind of value you need to bring to them and all that. We cannot categorize, um, for instance, an MD who at the end of the month sends money to people in his hometown or pays for a lot of bills at the end of the month will be in one category. And, we, and then we can also categorize another person who is probably um, a university student or a national service person or somebody in our class, you know. So these two people will be in two different categories based on what they do, what they normally use their um, slide pay accounts for, and all that. Now, once we know and we are able to identify what these two different categories in this um, use case is, then we will know how to engage um, these two categories. For instance, I want to make this very practical as possible. With the MD, on the other hand, who we know that at the end of the month, he's going to be sending people a lot of money, um, paying for bills, paying for whatever it is. We need to identify now. In identifying that, we need to you make data-driven decisions. All of these cannot be done if we do not have data to back them. And so with the history of the customer and knowing that you need to mine data to be able to make these kind of decisions, it's going to go a long way to help you to know who you need to resell to and engage based on their value propositions. So how did I know that the MD pays these things or does these kind of transactions? It's based on data. Probably at the end of the month, he's paying for his DSTV bill. I'm sure today people have paid their bills because there's UEFA finals go. His bill makes sure he's connected. He's going to make sure that he sends money to his wife and his family and all that. All these were based on data. So in trying to you know, sell off and give them value for their money, you need to engage them. We probably will use an email to communicate with them, which will prompt that it's almost end of month and you need to pay, make a bill payment. So that's one way of us engaging to them. We obviously cannot go and engage um, a university student to make a bill payment because he obviously doesn't have a need for a DSTV bill, ECG postpaid or all the other bills or send money to people. But it will be very important for um, the MD in this use case because it will be a great way to prompt him to let him know that it's time for him to pay his bills or send money to his mother or his, his, his folks. You get it. So that's a great way for us in using data. And then in during the onboarding process, we are able to know our customers and then we are able to evaluate their basic needs with the use of data, engage them properly and communicate to them with their value propositions. The little, um, the university graduates, they are going to buying a lot of airtime, right? Or, or buying a lot of data for project work or university work and all of that. So those are his basic things. And so in, in between these two people, we are looking at how to bring value to the two of them. Now, if it's daytime, it means that we are going to be prompting him that 
hey, it's weekend, you probably need to uh, watch something or do a research. And so you can actually get data on the platform. So these are two different ways that we are actually going to be, you know, engaging these two categories of customers and um, how we can bring value to them on the services that we provide. And then I'm sure a great way for us to build the because they can always one thing that customers lot is that you do not isolate them in in the whole process of uh, your solutions because you are you are able to communicate with them and customers love to be um, love to feel, feel special sorry they love to feel special and when you give them all these treatments of them it gives them a sense of belonging they know that oh you are part of i'm a part of this so that's what um david they are being treated as partners yes customers love it when you treat them in that sense so that also helps them to feel loved and feel like okay they are part of this and it's not always about the money and and all that so i feel this is how we can you know merge the two in terms of um, segmenting our customers and then giving them value for uh, the products or services that they signed up for. Yeah, thank you. Mm, fantastic. King, do you have anything to add? I am, I'm beginning to feel maybe some of these questions I might have to go first because it looks like Lydia is reading my notes here. <laughs> But that, great points, great points, Lydia, great points. And what I would quickly want to add is that I'm picking back on the, the point on you not being able to make sound decisions send the customer without data. Data, data, data. Like we say, data is the new mind, the new minefield, the new, um, I almost said Galab, but it's, it's illegal, so I, I wouldn't want to promote it. But I believe that if you want your business to be really able to grow, you need to take data seriously. And from the perspective of um, um, B2B, which is of, of course brought from the B2C model, one way you can really categorize your customer segments um, and during your segmentation process is one, you could think about what value are they bringing in. Typically, look at, look at, look at the banks. Um, I remember when I was a kid back in Kumasi where I grew up, um, I, I used to pass by the then Barclays Bank, which is now APSA. And anytime I was passing by, there's a place in Nagum, Kumasi, central, and uh, one of the central business districts. And anytime I passed by the bank, I saw two entrances. One was a lot of people trooping in, and the other was like even the people trooping in, you realize that they're going to join some queues, but there was another door which had people coming and walking majestically. And the only reason why they would keep long is because they were having a coffee or maybe having a conversation with one of the top guys in the bank. What am I driving at? Because of the value of the transactions, these guys had the opportunity to use a different entrance into the bank because they are what? High value customers. Like it or not, customers are never going to be the same. Some would bring in the hundred, others would bring in the thousands. So if you are dealing with B2B, First, you need to think about the data, like um, Lydia said. You need to have a transaction history of how much everybody's contributing to your bottom line. 
If you have a customer who is bringing you a, a project which is worth about a million dollars in a year, you don't expect to treat that same person as the same way you would want to treat somebody who's bringing a thousand CDs a year. It is true they are all important in their tailor-made approach to cater for somebody is contributing millions to you you might want to go to the end of the end it ties the intro you gave when there's a new relationship the spark service although they are all expecting a high level of quality when it comes to your service delivery know what's important for them recently we had a customer when immediately we had a project you said the last time based on what we, we faced they took Foster, did we lose David or he's still on? 
sorry, I just realized that my Zoom just restarted. Um, okay. I don't know what the last thing I said. I don't know what the last thing I said if I fell off. Maybe if Foster could help me. I actually thought I was the one not hearing you, so I was going to send it. Okay, basically, I think what I was just trying to say is that once you have categorized based on these expectations, categorized based on your value of transactions and based on the value they are offered or they are contributing to the bottom line, then it becomes easy for you to deal with these businesses, um, giving them a value that is not only in your eyes, which is more like a size all, but a value proposition that is tailor-made for the business you're dealing with based on your history of transaction with them. So that's basically what I have to do. Great, great point. I, as you can see, I've been dropping a lot of the thoughts you are sharing in the in the chat in the chat room and there are lots of gems that you, you are dropping, SNM, uh, King David, in this conversation. My last question, right? Uh, then we move into the, the uh, Q&A session to allow the audience to share their thoughts. What are some of the tools you recommend for SMEs and startups who are trying to, uh, in as much as they have limited resources, be able to deliver on the promise of quality service because they are entering into spaces or venturing into spaces that have other established competitors who have well-structured processes and and policies to guide them to ensure quality service delivery. How can a startup or an SME build a, a certain minimum level of of uh, of, uh, of quality in their customer engagement and experience process. Are there tools, are there resources you would like to recommend to them? I guess it's obvious I'm going to go first. <laughs> or David, you want to take this first? Okay, okay. So since you threw it to me, I can't refuse your offer. Okay, so um, before I go to the tools, I just wanted to mention something that um, you need to be able to, you see, tools are basically an, an enabler of what we do offline that we want to take online. It's like trying to build a business model entirely on, an, on, 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 on software when you don't know how it works offline. So except for, of course, there are outliers which is entirely um, online. You need to be able to drop your business model, just like if you want to be um, relevant in being in the face of, uh, of competition, you need to know how your business work, works offline. So in the same vein, that those principles that we've been talking about, um, we started talking about from the beginning of knowing your customer is a critical thing. So if you know your customer, then you can build it, you build that knowing your customer, segmenting all of that onto, for instance, a CRM software that would help you to achieve whatever goals you have. So you need to be able to know your customer. Then there's one thing that a lot of times we, 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 we have been doing, but we need to pay more attention to. Allowing your team's expectations to be aligned with what the external customer's owner. So 
your marketing department has gone out and sold a prolific message as to what you can do for your customer when he walks into your business. What are you doing to ensure that internally every process is aligned to the expectations that have been set by the marketer or whoever is dealing with the external customer? So we tell someone to understand the needs of the customer so that when you're coming in, for instance, you've gone out to sell to your customers, they love your product. But what if your customer hates to be bombarded with emails? Are you just going to say, because I have a CRM software that helps to send automated emails, I'm just going to go ahead and then block them with emails. I know Foster for one, you love emails. So whoever is on this platform is thinking of selling to Foster, please, emails, he loves it. But I know other people who just don't like to be sent too many emails. So for such customers, what you see, you ask the question at the beginning, Foster, is it going to be um, WhatsApp? Is it going to be, um, what ways are you going to communicate to them? It's part of knowing your customer, what their preferences are, how they love to be. If they are customers that you send them an email, they appreciate that you send them a WhatsApp follow-up. That means that if you're going to offer a personalized feed to those within your chain, keeping in mind what competition is also doing, you need to be able to understand what the customer appreciates when it comes to communication, because communication is a two-way affair. You need to understand how the person wants to be communicated to. So like I said, customers, the existing customers who anytime you send them an email, they would appreciate for you to send a WhatsApp follow-up, even though the email is the most official channel. So you need to be able to understand what the customer really appreciates as communication so that you communicate with them. Then you can take that process and build it on into your CRM. So for instance, if a customer requires most of these things and you schedule an email, you should put it as part of your to-do list, send an email as a follow-up. And these things should be assigned to whoever has been assigned as the customer manager or the customer um, service officer for that particular client who is managing the client's portfolio. So you need to be able to understand what the, the client appreciates and then build on, on board a kind of CRM, just like Lydia is offering, that would go on here at home. So for me, I think that is basically what my point would be. Know your customer, what they appreciate, of course, after knowing them, you helping to build the trust and all of that. You need to be able to understand how they appreciate to, appreciate to be communicated with, and then you can do that because that is how they would best appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry, did I interrupt? Um, no, I, I was just going to say, Lydia, over to you. Okay, okay, great. So, I mean, we are going to look at this from uh, an SME point of view, probably an SME who um, doesn't have the needed um, funds or resources to have a complicated CRM software, but then can use the basic, um, you know, reaching out tools like WhatsApp for business, um, being active on social media and, telephone calls or SMSs. I mean, there are various platforms that you can use to send bulk SMSs in terms of uh, getting to align your customers with your new product lines or products and services. So basically, it's also very important that you are extremely responsive when it comes to dealing with customers. I know that customers can be very irate. So um, once they reach out to you and you're not responsive, 
even though we don't have an agreed SLA with them, at least it's still great that you um, acknowledge that you have seen their request or seen their issue and that you're looking into it and will give them feedback within a period of time. And it has to be very specific, say in 24 hours or in 30 minutes, and trust me, the customer will be expecting feedback within that time unconsciously. And so you may not have the, the, the resources to have a CRM like we do currently, but it's the little things that matter to customers. How you empathize with them when they reach out to you. It's not just about solving the problem and there's getting away with it. But customers love to love personalization, you know, they, they, they want to have that touch of you acknowledging that there is an issue and you're empathizing with them and you are acknowledging that this thing will be sorted and resolved and they will not want to experience it again. So within that whole frame, you need to probably look into the issue that for, um, to have an, an, an RCA, yeah. So you, you as a business will need to do an RCA to ensure that that issue does not happen again so that you can mitigate all of those things that may come up within the issue that the customer has probably reported to you. What's an RCA? Can you please break down your acronym so that we can condense them better? Thank you. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> Foster, don't, um, sorry, don't do that. So I've just, I don't know, the, the full definition of RCA just kept my head, but what I know is that it's a kind of uh, documentation that you need to put out when you have um, a downtime or an issue within your products or services. So it's more of like informs anybody who is in the line of service delivery what caused it, um, what is going to be the, sorry, what is going to be the solution for such an issue? Let's say that, um, I want to probably use an example, but I'm not really getting one right now. Oh, oh, David, you can help me with the full definition. I know you know what an RCA is. I'm just, it's just is it escaping with, uh, my head. analysis. Great, root cause analysis, root cause analysis. Thank you very much. So first, our root cause analysis basically is that we have a problem currently and we've probably um, communicated to our customers that we are having a challenge. At the end of the day, when we fix that issue, we need to do a root cause analysis as a business to know that, okay, this was what caused this particular issue. What are we trying to put in place to avoid this from happening again? Because a customer will not like to, will not understand if they face the same issues over and over again. So an RCA will help us, you know, investigate what happened, how it happened, who is supposed to be responsible for it not happening again. How are we going to prevent this from happening? So it's sort of involves or informs everybody in the product. Uh, delivery um, line so that everybody is informed and whoever is responsible will take it up. If it has to do with you monitoring a service um, consistently, you have to be doing it, put it on your calendar to, you know, monitor those services. If it has to do with you ensuring that we don't have the downtime because you realize that maybe at the end of the month, a lot of people are doing transactions. And so that puts a lot of load on your 
business, everybody is drained and all that, you need to put a measure in place, okay, which would not burn out, burn everyone out on, on especially at the end of the month. So that's what a root cause analysis will do if we have a, a severe downtime or a very um, an escalated issue for a customer, okay. And I think B2Bs use that a lot for this, but B2Cs, we just have that in-house to prime keep us posted with whatever we have come up with in our findings. And back to how an SME would leverage on uh, the tools to deliver a great customer service or customer relationship. You can also try to um, um, how you would actually resell a new product or service that you are bringing on board with them. And those are ways that you can have them, for instance, follow you on social media and you can resell all of those, you know, basic products and services that you're bringing online for them. Um, another thing that you can do is, um, sorry. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, so basically what I was trying to say was how we can leverage on the basic tools to build a customer relationship with our products, um, with building our relationship with our customers. Foster. Fantastic. Oh my God. I'm sure we have information overload, but here we are, we are able and willing, we are documenting everything to make sure we can come back to our notes and reference them. Um, we are getting into the Q&A session. Thank you very much, King David and SNAM for these ideas. Um, just to summarize what SNAM just said, it's very important to manage the service requests that come from your customers. Acknowledging the service request or complaint is the first step to empathizing with them and ensuring that you give them some level of comfort about the possibility of solving the problem. Internally, it's important to establish a root cause analysis protocol so that you are able to document challenges like this. And it shortens the path, even if you are unable to avoid the recurrence of the situation, you can shorten the path to which the problem is solved the next time. So what we usually call TAT, which is also referred to as turnaround time for a service request. So turnaround time basically means I sent you a request. How long did it take you to come back to me with feedback? It's what frustrates most customers from time to time. And so minimizing that as often as possible through optimization of your internal processes helps you as a business, either startup or SME, to ensure quality service delivery to your customers. I hope I did justice to summarizing your points, Lydia. Um, we are moving yeah, to a Q&A session now. I would open the floor. I saw a few questions. I would go ahead and read them. You can drop your questions if you have any. If you have any contribution as well, please do raise your hand or uh, if there's no one on the floor, you can unmute the mic and let us and then you have the floor to speak. So I saw Rose ask a question during King David's submission. So that's a great insight, King David. How do you stimulate the referral marketing tools for B2, 
BTC customers. Okay, great. Um, thank you for that, um, Lady Rose. Yes, so Rose. Um, I think basically what one way you can, how you can lead to that is um, like the first thing that we talked about as making them feel special. Where see, imagine walking into a restaurant where it looks like all the attention was on you. It looks like every other um person waiting at the tables was focusing on you and not the other customer and it looks like every other customer in that particular restaurant would say the same thing that no they were focusing on me they were not focusing on you and that is the beauty of a tailor-made customer service for your b2b customers it applies both b2c and b2b but i believe that if you want to keep the b2b business you want to make sure that you're not treating them just like you treat any other business for as in in your particular portfolio so make sure that these guys are the center of attraction so for instance um if if you have a bouquet of services you're offering to them don't go selling the whole bouquet always see for me i would advise that if you sorry someone just get off and start they said less more than you want to speak to your customer and based on that you get to know what their unique challenges are you might have a pre-prepared bouquet of a bouquet of things you want to sell to the customer you might realize that in all of your doing there are times where I was speaking to a customer and I, I just felt the nudge to wait and ask for oh, what really do you want? And I realized that it was just a component of what we are offering. And they're actually going to offer pay a value, which is for the sum total of all offerings. So for instance, if you're offering business planning, financial planning, more to the customer. And once you listen more, it's like asking somebody, what would you eat? And asking for the their special recipe which you would use to prepare that food for them once you bring the food food to them they forget that they actually gave you the recipe and they get excited at the food and that is what personalization does so please listen more to your customers and then learn to know what exactly they want through offering the offering of a tailored um services and one other way i will mention as we end because the time is almost up is to make things easier Hi, King David. Hello, David. Hello, King. Looks like we lost David again. I'm sure he's going to come back soon. Yeah. Um, do you have any additions, uh, Esnam, while we wait for King? Um, yes. Um, 
I was just going to it that once we try to, for instance, meet customer expectations, we tend to realize that they then become advocates for our brand or the word of mouth comes in again because once a customer is receives them it it goes beyond people about the experience that they've had share very different experience the experience that they have had service someone would have a does not have a great one and it's all the actual customized experience and okay some customers relate what their issue is either via email or if it has to be through but when you speak to them they are able to explain the issue and you get to realize that it was totally different from what they were trying to explain to you while you get it so you need to really understand customers based on a background or what they are trying to put a and then you should find a way to help them resolve their issues. Sometimes we have to go the extra mile. Sometimes we speak um, our local dialect for that. For Sometimes you have to um, do, so you even making a call means you're going the extra mile. You have to do extra that you feel would help them or help you as well, make your work easier and help solve them the agreed stipulated time or SLEs that you, you've agreed on. So for trying to help customers and on their issues because you really need to understand them because if you don't understand just not you won't be able to find a solution for what they are experiencing. Yes, yeah, so them that wow effect goes a long way for them to become advocates for your brand or services. That's what I wanted to add. Hmm. Fantastic. King David is back on the line. Uh, would you want to complete your statement or we can go ahead and read the next question from Isaac. Uh, some companies like Nike have managed to take customer relationship management to a whole other level where users can now design their own shoes and buy it. Does it take what does it take to create your customer service offering to the point that's they become part of your R&D process. Well, I lost you at the beginning of your statement. If you can take that again. Okay. So um, Isaac is asking a question, right? So let me just paraphrase it. It says Nike has managed, Nike has managed to build a customer relationship management system where it allows personalization of uh, the shoes before the customers buy the customers of uh, design their own shoes and then they they make them and sell it to them. What does it take for you to for uh, for for one to create customer service offering to the point where the their customers become part of their R and D process? To okay. paraphrase this, um, how have you guys from? I love to hear your practical point of view. How have you and maybe anyone else in the audience be able to share from their point of view? How have you been able to weave? Uh, a feedback loop from the customers or use certain tools to consistently engage the customers and improve on the service or the product. I, for one, believe that the customer service unit or customer experience team are responsible for uh, uh, 
contributing to product improvement, service improvement, and the total offering of the business. And so if there's no framework or protocol internally within the organization to harness these feedback and channel them through the right resources, we'll consistently get gold, but never trade the gold for valuable things, right? So from your point of view, Skin David and SNM, how have you, your organizations, participated in this or based on your personal experiences or maybe some thoughts or light bulb ideas that come into your head? Help SMEs and, and other businesses locally to, to champion some of these initiatives. Okay. Um, so, so I'd like to take this from an angle of how the, how customers have over the years determined a line of a business, right? So we look at, we look at it from how the change insurance of the taste of the customers has brought into light how people should create their products and how they should serve the customers. So you can understand that um, digital banking or internet banking didn't used to be a thing. Initially, what we understand was traditional banking or cash. You know, you go to the bank, you queue, you deposit your money, you, you withdraw from there, and it takes you so many hours in the, in the banking hall. And then over the years, technology has advanced the changing trends of customers have made it such that customers are busy hours and resting very little times, right? So there has been a need to inculcate the needs of the customers and technology moving along with data and then serving customers with microservices and functional product or services has to be like. Now the customers are telling us that, um, for instance, this friend who, or even if we look around at, the, we used to have um, shittle in jars, right? Now it has come to the changing trends of customers where they want to have the chunks of meat in their shittle. We didn't used to have that. But because now customers have, change of taste, right? They have requested that I want my shittle in this kind of way. I want it very mild or very hot. So whoever produces the shittle needs to ensure that there are chunks of meat in the shittle. It has um, a, a lot of pepper and not so much oil because yes, everybody is looking out for their cholesterol level in terms of trying to keep fit and all that. So that has also helped SMEs to, you know, strategize and change directions in terms of what the customers really need. In terms of R&D, when we're rolling out new services or new features within our platforms, right, we kind of will roll out a beta feature or even before we roll out a feature, we want to understand what the customers want to see in the next de development. So we would probably send out surveys of how we, we want to be better because obviously customers make us better based on their you know, taste and what they want to see. 
So they, they tell us what they want to see. And then based on business, we, we would put this apart. What we wanted to build was want to be able to remember who they paid the last and want to know what they paid for the last month. So now we know what the customer wants. And then now the building will need to regularize that. And, and that will really look bad on the customer experience team because they didn't listen to the customers. And as a result of that, they've probably lost about 50% or 30% of customers on their business. So taking those customer, you know, the very importantly will help you change the direction of your business at the end of the day someone is happy they are still using the services you are retaining them with the new strategy and you're making business and you're making money for the business so that's what i feel like that it's very important that we understand what the customers need and how we can integrate that in our strategies in building on our business and, and products or services. Yeah, that, that's my thought on that. What are you there, please? Yes, fantastic. Uh, Kindevi, do you have any inputs? So I just quickly wanted to add something on the part of, um, I think Lee has covered almost all the questions on the part of Nike, um, bringing you and i think the question was about um what does it take to cre create a customer service offering to the point of they becoming part of your r d and as part of the things that you can do to be able to uh, bring the customer in as a part of your fold one of the things you can look at is co-creation and that's the one that um and the question focus on is an aspect of co-creation and it's, it's to meet the needs of a company and actually only a few companies are reaping into it. Different, different people to assist with product development and creative process. It's done a lot in the tech space where you have a new game coming up. You have people coming in to help build and even concept from the gaming industry or the tech industry or somebody says I build a new OS, come and see, let's try and see if you can get somebody to hack it. That is co-creating. So how do you ensure that that concept is borrowed from the tech industry into your business to ensure that, for instance, if you are bringing out a new product or a new service, bring in a number of people who you can take their opinion take their ideas on the customer journey, how it feels for them to be able to use that product or the service. Let them go through the thing and let them give you their whole experience. And it brings some level of freshness and innovative concept. And people through this activity of co-creation have stumbled upon ideas that even their internal innovation teams have never ever thought of. So I believe that as a company or as a business, you should be thinking about how to drive the customer experience, like the, the, the angle of Nike, 
through co-creation. Once the person feels like I'm a part of the whole experience, they are more drawn and psychologically, they would want to go on and enjoy the product and tell other people of it. And mind you, as you are doing this, you are getting much more deep insight as to what people truly need. And a research was conducted on co-creation and they realized that the kind of value co-creation offers and the insights you get, sometimes you don't get it from service, you can't even get it from interviews because the customers are agent of change, a catalyst of change for your organization because people pay more attention to an output which they have been a part of creating and feels more connected than, hey, I created this new to toy, would you love it? So co-creation, and I think that's an important thing that our, our, our audience brought in in the example of Think about ways to creatively bring in customers to experience and then and recommend ways as to how you can improve it. That's all I wanted to add. Fantastic. Esther, please go ahead and ask your question. Um, mine is not a question. Um, I would like to mental philosophy that underpins the poor external relations or customer experience. Um, I believe that in many industries, products and products and services are essentially similar in terms of design, performance, and then specification. So um, with a given, and it's all within a given price bracket due to um, research analysis and all that. Therefore, um, customers' choices will always be influenced by subjective consideration with the little things, I call it the little things, such as customer relations, customer relationships. So if you are trying to position yourself as an efficient company, it, your customer relations must reflect these qualities that you're trying to put out there. Um, so let's not underestimate the basics. These are the most important things. Thank you very much. And thank you, David and Essenam, you shared really profound points. Sure, thanks for adding that, Esther. Thank you too, Esther. Okay, I think we'll call it a wrap. Uh, I don't see any more questions. Thank you all for joining today's session. Thank you, King David. Thank you, Lydia, uh, for joining this conversation. It was great talking about the building blocks of customer relationships from your perspectives. And I'm sure everyone equally loved the insights you shared as I did. Uh, if you're keen and curious as I am for the next webinar series, join us on the 12th of June. Uh, we'll share more details. We'll be talking about the building blocks of your revenue stream models for your business. We've talked about business model as a, as a whole. We've talked about value proposition. We've talked about customer segmentation. We've talked about customer channels. Today, we talked about customer relationships. Now we understand very well what is required to deliver to the customer. Right now, what key parameters do we need to consider 
in building our revenue model because providing the service to the customer doesn't necessarily bring you money. It is defining what's within the services you provide to the customer you monetize. And that is what we are going to be talking about in the next edition. And I hope you do invite your friends to join the session. Um, did I miss any? I just want to make sure I did not miss any important question from anyone before we go. Okay, uh, so thank you all. And if you want to talk or engage more about the webinar series or the sessions, please. Hello, sorry. I dropped off for a second. Yeah, if you want to talk or engage more uh, in between the episodes, uh, follow Growth with TT. I've shared the links on in the chat room. Do well to reach out uh, and follow our pages to stay updated. All recorded sessions are also live on anchor.fm. I have shared the link as well in the chat and I encourage you to join, share it with your friends as well as listen and make your notes. Or you can search Growth with TT on any of the uh, uh, podcast platforms, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, um, po uh, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Breaker, and you'll be able to find our podcast published over there. That's all for today. And do share the knowledge with your friends, family, and invite them to join the next episode. Have a lovely weekend and bye for now. Bye. Thank you so much.